Okay, so if you'd like to open your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3. Uh, I preached part one of this message this morning. It's kind of like an end-timey message, but it's funny. Um, you know, it's not, not doom porn or anything. And um, yeah, so, so I would encourage you to watch part one, so I'm not going to recover that now. And uh, we're looking at verse, verse so chapter 3, verses um, 16 to 19. Um, in that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, to Zion, do not let your hands be slack. The Lord your God is mighty in your midst. He will deliver. He will rejoice enthusiastically over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And then verse 19, behold, at that time, I shall undo all that afflicts you, and I will save her who halts and gather her who has driven out, and I will get get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. Now, obviously, the context of this passage is um, about the end of days when Jerusalem is restored because Messiah has returned. Remember, Jesus said he returns. He's not coming back to Milan. He's not coming to London. He's not coming to New York. He's coming back to Israel, and he's going to rule and reign from Mount Zion over the nations. But what excites me is this could only be a baby, you know, when Jesus says in the temple, um, you know, today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, this scripture could be fulfilled in 40 years' time. Within 40 years, Jesus could be back. I do believe we are fast approaching the very end of days. We're seeing biblical prophecy being fulfilled all the time. And uh, it's time to start thinking that way. It's time to change our mindset a little bit. It's not business as usual, cozy, coasting, Christianity, woolly, fluffy evangelicalism. It's time to be a church that's ready and prepared for the end of the age. Amen. But it doesn't have to all be bad, because I do believe that in these end of days, that uh, the church will shine out her brightest. Remember, in the, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the tares come to the fullness of their maturity at the end of the age. Okay? We know the wheat's the church, and we know what the tares are. It's about wickedness as well. So we know that wickedness is going to come to its full fruition at the end of days, and we know that the righteous ones will also come to their fullness at the end of days. So that excites me. Hallelujah. See the church in the fullness of her glory. Because I don't believe Jesus is coming back for a little itty-bitty remnant church where it's just like six of us who believe what I believe in down underneath a cellar somewhere. I believe Jesus, according to Ephesians, is coming back for a glorious church. It says in Revelation that the bride will have made herself clean um, through her good works and have washed her garments in those days. Revelation mentions that several occasions. And what does it mean when the bride washes her garments? It means you and I... Jesus didn't wash your garments. He gave us the clean ones. We soiled them, and it's up to us to get them clean again. And we clean them by living our lives according to the ways of God and be a a shining light in these last days. But I want to encourage you a little bit as well. We're in verse 17. It says, The Lord your God is mighty in your midst. He will deliver. He will rejoice enthusiastically over you with joy. Many years ago, my wife had this vision. She probably won't remember it. She never remembers any of her dreams or visions. I tell her them, and she goes, really? Who told you that? And I said, you did. Did you? Anyway, so this was a dream, and she had a picture, saw a picture of Jesus, and he was on a broken throne, and his crown was disheveled, and he was like leaning over like this, and was all cobwebs all over him. And she was like, Jesus, what kind of vision is this? And he said, this is how the church sees me. A broken, dilapidated, irrelevant, powerless 
God sat on a throne that, well, is broken, dusty, and of a bygone era. We don't believe that our God is mighty and able to save. Hallelujah. Our God is mighty. Now, listen, right, we could all get a little bit discouraged every now and then, and we can look at what's going on in the world, but I guarantee, right, if we had a testimony day, and literally just everybody got up to the microphone, and you shared your testimony in three minutes, I know to some people that would be a real challenge, but for, and and go, get off, all right? But anyway, for some of us, it would really encourage us, wouldn't it? You'd just hear testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony, and you wouldn't be sad and depressed and like, oh, where is God and everything? You would know, my God is mighty and able to Safe. Hallelujah. That's why it's good to have like healing meetings every now and then. Wake the church up a little bit. That God can do stuff. And to be expectant that God can do stuff. I, 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 I've seen churches in revival and I've experienced the time where you come into the church building and you are so expectant that God is going to do something and the air crackles with electricity and God always does something. But when you come to church, this is like, oh, well, you know, we'll just sit here and we'll just go through the worship and a bit of communion and the word and we'll go home or we'll eat, yeah? If you come to church with that kind of attitude, well, it's glad that you're here, but maybe it's time to up your ante a little bit, up your expectation that God can and is able to do mighty and exceeding things. You see, God loves it when people come into the place of faith. When we're expectant that our God can do something, our God will do something, hallelujah. But when you're one of those kind of Christians like, well, I don't believe God heals today, well, you ain't going to get healed, hallelujah, glory be to God. But if you do believe that God heals today, the chances are you are going to get healed. Amen. The Lord your God is mighty. And and I was meditating on this 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 week. The Lord your God. You know, it's so easy to forget that, isn't it? He, you know, I love that scripture in Song of Solomon. I am my beloved and he is mine. That's what Christianity is about. It's about an intimacy with God, not just me and you, me, me with God, but also corporately as well. We're one body, we're a family. And he's our God. And when it says here, he's your God, it's like in the law, when it talks about in uh, was it Deuteronomy chapter 28, you know, I'm the Lord your God and you shall obey my commandments. It goes into the singular, not the plural. I'm the Lord your God. I'm your, your God, your God. And it makes it personal because our God is interested in the corporate body, but he's also intimately and dynamically and enthusiastically interested in, Little old you. He is the Lord your God. You are in covenant with Almighty God. You are like married to Him, literally, because we're the bride, right? And He's the bridegroom. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. So at the end of the age, man, I tell you, it's going to be great. I am so excited for the end of the age to see that wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, I've seen some parties in my time. I've seen some lavish, expensive parties, but I, I don't know. I've got a, possibly a, I got a funny feeling that the, 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 the wedding feast of the Lamb is going to be like no holds barred when it comes to party time. I reckon that the food is going to be like nothing you've ever eaten in your life. You know, the, the drink, I mean, it's just going to be amazing. And the wine of the kingdom, man, I'm looking forward to tasting that. Jesus, I'm not going to drink of this until I return. It's like, okay, guys, open the vats. Let's go. I've been waiting to drink this stuff for a millennia. All right? It's going to be the greatest party on earth ever. And it's going to be so good. And that's our inheritance. And that's our future. And that's our joy. 
And it's good to remind ourselves sometimes that we have a hope, we have a purpose, we have a vision, we have a destiny. But sometimes we get so bogged down in the pilgrimage of everyday life, don't we, that we forget where we're going to. We forget what our destiny is. And you never know that this destiny, you may see it in your own lifetime, at the return of Christ. And some people, I don't want to see the return of Christ. That's because you don't know what you're missing. When you know what you're missing, it's like Jesus. When the church, when the spirit and the bride say, come. When the spirit and the bride say, come. At the moment, it's the spirit's going, hey, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And the bride's like, I'm not really ready for this. It's the spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord, your God. He's your God. You know, one of the things that God taught me a long time ago was when I meditated my way through the book of Song of Solomon. It was a, a book that I vowed that I'd never do such a thing to, but then one day God said, hey, let's do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And as I did it, I got a real revelation of God in a way that I'd never really got before. And so God is my lover. I, I love my God, and he is my, he is my love. And I, I never... I never really, you know, because I'm a man, right? Man, you know, I talk to my wife like that, but when you talk to God like that, it seems a bit weird. But, it, but I noticed in my times with God that when I spoke to him in the language of love, guess what? He responded in ways that far stripped out the, the more formal language that you would use in like liturgical prayers or something. When I, when I became intimately like, oh, my love, I love you, my love, suddenly the presence of God would turn up. And it's like, he's my beloved hallelujah he is my lover and he's sometimes my mother he's always telling me what to do um, and things like that but he is my lord and my god and i love him passionately i love him so much and i know that he loves me you know there's three greek words which talk about love we got eros which is where the term erotic love comes from you got philio which is brotherly love and then you've got agape, which is, as the King James translates as charity, which is a self-sacrificial love. And people say, yes, we should love God with agape, and maybe even filio, certainly not eros. Well, that may be the case for some people, but I love God with an eros love in that I am passionate for my Jesus. And so the ancient church fathers, they would talk about the eros love of God. I remember when I first read that, I was like, what? But they're talking about being passionate for Jesus. They're talking about being on fire for him. And that he is your consuming desire of your life. Hallelujah. That he is your first love. And I think we need to get back some of that joy again, don't we? Remember when you first got saved? Man, you wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Hallelujah. You're like, you just got to know what's happened to me this week. I've met Jesus. Oh, it's so amazing. So exciting. I look back at myself now and I think, what is it that I was doing then? I was getting like talking about him all the time. And now I'm like, oh, I don't really want to upset anybody. I don't really want to talk about anything. But back then I was just like, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. Because I've, I've lost that joy. I lost that, that, that passion of my first love. And so I've been endeavouring to get back my passion for my first love. Because without that, man, you're just going through the motions. I love him so much. But here's the good thing, right? The Lord, your God. I mean, the fact that God allows himself to be called that. He, calls him, he allows himself to be called your God. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's God, you know. But he's, he said, no, no. I'm your God. And that means... You know, when you're married, right, I know men don't do that much, but my wife can say to me, you know, can you put the bins out? 
All right, so maybe in a day or two, I'll put them out, right? But with God, I mean, he's God, all right? You have the infinite power of God. You say, Lord, I kind of need help with this, or, or can you help me with that, okay? Now, unlike a man, he might not go, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, he, will, he will be there. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our God is there. He's valiant. He's mighty. He's able. Hallelujah. And he wants us to ask. I remember speaking to this guy once and he said to me, uh, Chris, you know why selfish people always get their prayers answered? And I'm like, no. He said, because they just know how to ask God for stuff. You know, you get other Christians that they're like, well, I don't want to pray for myself. I just want to pray for everybody else. But, but selfish people, I know I'm not in, in any way encouraging selfishness, but I got his point. It's like, if you are a little bit selfish, you're like, God, I really need this in my life. And sometimes as Christians, we're just not bold enough Okay, some of you are looking pretty bold, but some of us, you know, just not bold enough. You're like, really got to get on your knees and really got to get in there and say, Lord Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. Because he's your God. He is your God. He's not to be put on a mantelpiece. He is your God. And it says here, the Lord your God is mighty in your midst. Mighty. That means he's powerful. That means he's something to be you know, to be considered something amazing. Our God is mighty. And it doesn't just say he's mighty. We all know that God is mighty. But it says that he's in our midst. He's in our midst. Right now. Right here. (laughs) I love it. And it says he will deliver. When I was meditating on that, you know, I think we get so used to the term deliverance ministry and deliverer, God is our deliverer. We don't really think about it, do we? But God is basically like the ultimate deliveroo service, okay? Because that's what delivery means. It means to take something from there and to put it over there, okay? So God is our deliverer. He took us out of darkness and out of bondage to sin and brought us into a new place. We brought us into the kingdom of light and made us children of light. God has delivered us like the Exodus. He, he delivered Israel from the bondage of slavery and Pharaoh and brought them to a place of freedom. And that's what God has done for us. And God wants you to be living in freedom. But you see, if we're to be this church in the end of days, we need to be shining lights. But the only way we can be shining lights is if we are dealing things in our lives. I remember listening to this testimony by this uh, one of the most powerful witch doctors in the world, and he was involved in uh, overseeing territories around the world. He said something interesting. He's obviously a Christian now. But he said something interesting. He said, those Christians that really pressed into God, he said, you'd, you'd see them coming, walking down the street. And he said, as a witch, we couldn't curse them. But there'll be other Christians that didn't glow much. We could do stuff to them. That's what he said. Those Christians that the light within them grew dimly. God wants his people to be shining stars. It says in the book of Daniel, in the resurrection, we shall shine like stars. But in the spirit realm, we already do shine like stars if we give our all for Jesus. If we're just like living our lives full on for him, we will shine like stars. And sometimes people can see that glory. You know, I've shared a lot of times where I saw a guy who saw God's literal glory coming off me. And he was literally on his knees cowering. And I was... But that's God. And God said to me that day when that happened, he said, you know, there's a day coming when my church will just be about doing their own thing and people will just start looking at them because they will start to shine with my glory. But you can't, you can't get that kind of glory 
if you're indifferent to Jesus. You know, when you're in love with somebody, you kind of glow, don't you? Yeah? You know, you just... Um, I, I, I don't know how I do it, but I, 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 sometimes I can tell when women are pregnant because they just, there's just something, they just seem to glow. There's just something about them. And are you pregnant? Why? What are you saying? It's like, are you pregnant? And I can tell because, because it's when they say no. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's because they're, because they're all aglow. You can see something. There's something coming about them, something coming off them. Lord, your mighty's in your midst. He will deliver. He will rejoice enthusiastically over you with joy. Now, when I first came across this scripture, when I first got saved, it really broke something in me in a good way. He will rejoice enthusiastically over you with joy. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate what this scripture literally means because I'll probably end up falling on the floor. But basically what it means is, in the, in the Hebrew, it's God will rejoice and delight over you and spin like a top and just go, woo! He's so excited and so enthusiastic about you and he loves you and he just dances and he delights over you. I know you're English, but this is exciting. Amen. Now, I know you probably don't do that when you go home and you see your wife or your kids and go, woo! But Jesus does. Every time we come into his presence, he delights in his people. He's a joyous God. He's not a miserable, boo-hoo type, angry God in heaven. He delights in us. He rejoices in us because you're his children and he loves you. Hallelujah. But we forget, don't we? It's so easy to forget. I know what it's like. Life can crush us sometimes. Things can crush us. But it says, he will rejoice over you with singing. And this, as I said, when I was younger, it really broke something in me. I, I just, I, I mean, now I just do the charismatic two-step when I worship God. But back when I was younger, I literally used to spin around all over the place. Now you know why, in case you did wonder. It's because of that scripture. But I want to move down now to verse 19. It says, behold, at that time, I shall undo all that afflicts you. Now, when Jesus returns, obviously with it will come the taste of heaven itself. We know we have the Holy Spirit now, which is the first deposit and down payment of the kingdom that is yet to come. And I think as Christians, we haven't even began to fathom the depths of that, even that first down payment. I think the church itself should reflect something of heaven on the earth. But when Jesus returns, we know that the sick will be healed and there'll be all kinds of wonderful things going on, and Jesus will take affliction away from us. Oh, that's all well and good when Jesus returns, right? But you are in a kingdom now. Now, although, just the boring bit, the theologians will tell us, you're in the kingdom now, but not yet. So we're not in the fullness of the kingdom of God yet. Yeah, we know that, because Jesus is not back. However, that still means... We can taste of the fruits of the kingdom in the here and the now. And that means Jesus has come to set you free. Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and life in misery. No, in abundance. Fullness of life, fullness of joy, overflowing. Hallelujah, glory be to God. (laughs) You can be going through difficult times in your life and still be filled with the joy of God. I'm not in any way denying your pain or any way denying people go through some terrible stuff. I have been through three years of probably the hardest time of my life. Because, as you know, just to be a drama queen, but you know, as I, I died twice. And with the second... Sorry? 
you didn't know that. Well, you're probably the only one that doesn't. I tell them all the time. Um, they're so bored of it. They're like, oh, here he goes again. But it was the second time that really kind of me- messed with me mentally. And for the last three years, I've really been struggling. But just prior to all that, um, I had a word from the Lord. And I wrote it down in a book at home. And he said to me, you are, this is going to happen out of the blue. You're not going to expect this. But something's going to happen. And it's going to knock you for six. And it's going to be like for three, it's going to last for three years. But this is going to be a time where I'm going to sift you, change you, and make you into the man that I need you to be for the times that we're coming into. I received that word probably about five years ago, and I wrote it down, and it's in a book at home. I didn't really think much of it, although I wasn't really looking forward to it. And all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, without me even having any, any awareness that it was ever going to happen, you know, I was out trampolining with my kids, and I dropped dead. And then the second time I dropped dead. And, and then after that, it really mentally affected me. I would walk around, literally, in the valley of the shadow of death. I felt like death was always two steps behind me. And all he needed to do was go, yeah, today's the day, mate. So I was walking around with that fear and that terror. And I'd be listening uh, every night to scripture verses and healing verses. I would listen to them all night long as I was going to bed. And they helped a bit. But, and some days the, the fear level went right down. And some days it, was, it came right back up again. But every day I lived with that fear. And it wasn't just fear, it was terror. It was terror of dying. And, uh, you know, and, and, and as a preacher, I'm like, I, I'm trying to do everything that I should do. My, my poor wife had to put up with me like, I, don't, I just don't feel like I'm going to die. You know, she's like telling me, oh, man up, you know, just deal with it. But she's not like that. She, she is quite sympathetic. But she was saying, you just, no, she, all right, Tracy, let's be honest. She wasn't. Just man up. Man up. Okay. And... <laughs> <laughs> but I did, well, you know, I, was do, I did the best that I could with, with the circumstances. And then I was, uh, I run the prayer school, and one prayer school, um, I, I started, you know, being a drama queen, like, oh, you know, I'm still really struggling with this. And um, so these old ladies, not old ladies, but these ladies said, oh, well, um, sorry, ladies, okay? I'm like in my 50s now. I was like, how old are they? Okay, so, so they, they said, can we pray for you? And I said, yeah, you can pray for me. I, did, I, I didn't really expect much because I'd, I'd done everything I could. I even got counselling. I got lots of people praying for me. Just wouldn't shift. I couldn't shift that fear. I couldn't shift it. And they prayed for me. And it was like, oh, okay. That's, uh, the, it's dialed down a bit. That's good. Praise God for that. And then, and then, and then about a week later, I just realised that, that I haven't got that fear anymore. And then as I was in the kitchen, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, said, your three years are up. And I was like, oh, No. And I, I, I've managed to find the book with the prophecy, and I read it, and all the things, sure enough, there it was in, in black and white. And, and I realized I've come through it. And, and I, as much as I prayed and I struggled and I wrestled with God, it was like, almost like, yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing this until it's done. And I'm not going to heal you until it's the right time. And I know that raises some questions. But, but this, for me, was a really important part, because what it made me do is it made me face up to some stuff that I didn't want to face up to. It made me have a really good look. It made me take a really good look in the mirror at myself. And, you know, often as Christians, depending on how you're wired, you might go around thinking, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm all right with Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And then one day you get to look in the mirror and you realise, no, you're not. You really aren't. You know, those things that you like to think that you are, you're not. You're a scared little human being terrified. Whoa, you man of faith, where are you? And I had to have a look at that. And that wasn't pretty. 
because I'd built this false persona. And when I saw the real me <laughs> with the mask off, it's like, I don't like looking at this guy. But that was the real me. And then it was through that, then God, in my weakness, then God is strong. And it's not by my might, nor by my power, but by his spirit. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And, and since that time, I just, I don't know, I'm just, don't tell anybody, but I'm actually quite happy, right? So I'm actually just full of, I, I am joyous. I am joyous in the Lord. And I just know that my God is powerful and he's mighty and that he wants to deliver us from the things that afflict us. God doesn't want you to be what, sorry, she's going to do the cooking. She's not offended. God, you are going to do the food, Tracy, aren't you? Yeah. So God wants us, God really wants to drive out those things that afflict us. And, I, and this is what I felt this week was God saying, look, I want you to tell my people that I want to deliver them and I want to deliver them from their afflictions. And as from someone who's been in the valley of the shadow of death and come out the other end, I can tell you, nobody wants to go through that stuff. Nobody likes going through those things. But God is with you. No, there was never one day in in those days of darkness and terror that I could turn around and say, God has abandoned me. Every day I knew that God was with me. And I knew that my God would never forsake me. But he is the deliverer. And he delivered me out of my personal hell and darkness and brought me into his glorious light. And this is what God has for everybody here today because you see your gospel that you preach in the days ahead in these end days must be a gospel that has power Paul says I don't come preaching to you with clever words but my gospel is with power the Greek word for power there is dunamis which is explosive dynamite type power this is not weak this is not wishy-washy this is not apologetics this is the dynamic power of the living God amen and he is alive, and he is living, and he is God Almighty, and he can break anything over you. He can break any. He's the God, his name is Baal Perizim. He's the God of breakthrough. But sometimes you've got to go through some stuff. Sometimes there's a journey. You know, we always want to get to the destination, don't we? Let me get to the destination. Just let me get to the end. Just let me get to the end. But it's like, no, God's more interested in the journey because in the journey, that's where the gems are found. That's where the character is forged. That's where you go through the forge of God's holiness and you come out the other end uh, having discovered something about yourself that you don't like. Because the more you realize that you, you depend on everything from God, the better it will be for you. You see, Jesus said, if you want to live, you must die. And so the more you want to live in the things of God, the more you must die. But that doesn't have to be a gruesome thing. It's just like, Lord, less of me, more of you. But it means you have to get honest with yourself. And that honesty is sometimes not pretty, where you have to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not as great as I think I am. I'm not as great as the image that I project to people. I am actually quite a frightened, broken man. And I absolutely need Jesus more in my life than I ever did before. And the good thing is, is then you know that you know that you know you need more of God in your life. And then God's like, great, he's finally getting this. Now that he knows that he needs me, I will be there for him. And now he knows that in his weakness that he is mighty and strong. Now this guy can be used by me to do anything that I call him to do because it's got nothing to do with his skills or what he thinks. It's got to do with me and my grace, says the Lord. Hallelujah. That takes a lot of pressure off you, right? It's not down to me or to you. 
it's actually just us simply submitting to God and saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And life is so much easier. (laughs) It's so much better. It's so much more fruitful. Who wouldn't want a fruitful, easier life? No one, apparently. So anyway, Amen. amen. Now, when I say it easier, I don't mean that life won't be tough, but I mean that doing it God's way instead of your own way is always easier. Behold, at that time I shall do, I shall undo all that afflicts you, and I will save her. That word for save, which we use the word, you know, are you saved and born again? In the Greek, it's the word zoe, and amongst other, a couple of other terms as well. But no, zoe is life, isn't it? So the sozo, sorry, that's the word. Yeah, sozo is the Greek word for uh, saved. But in the church today, we preach salvation. But we only preach salvation that's to save your spirit. That's all we preach, isn't it? We don't tell people that the gospel is there to heal you in your mind and heal your soul. We don't tell people that our gospel is to heal the sick. Look at that logo up there, Living Word Church with that cross. You see those four points of the square there? That's not there because it looked pretty. It's there very up there on the screen. It's there for a specific reason. The first corner, Jesus is saviour. Second corner, Jesus is healer. Jesus is baptizer, And Jesus is soon coming king. It's known as the four square gospel or the full gospel. Okay? And so as a church, we need to get our act together and start actually doing what it says on the tin. And we need to preach a full gospel. We need to preach that Jesus doesn't just save your soul or save your spirit, but actually Jesus is here to set you free and to heal you and that he is your deliverer. And we need to start preaching a little bit more faith in the pulpit and we need to tell people our God can and he will and he's more than able to. Now some people will go, well, you know, I know people that we've been believing for healing for years and stuff. My wife believed for healing for 20 years. 20 years and God kept saying now do this now do this and she she did everything that God told her to do and then one day after 20 years she went forward to take the communion and this liquid warmth just ran up her arms and healed every joint in her body instantly sometimes there's a process because you see there's a thing called faith and patience yeah we all preach faith but we don't preach patience you know and we remember Abraham Abraham man he was promised a child and it was and, and God waited God does this when it was vaguely possible, you know, we could have, we could have, we could have, yeah, praise God, yeah, I got, my wife got pregnant. But when it's totally impossible, when there's no way a 99-year-old woman is going to get pregnant, okay, when it's beyond the realms of possibility, then God's like, now's the time. Now's the time. Why? Because God is the God of the impossible. It's time to stop fudging it. It's time to stop giving God a hand. It's time to let God, the miraculous God, be who and what he is, which is the miraculous almighty God. It's time for him to be mighty in our midst. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. I want us all to stand right now. And what we're going to do is we're just going to put our hands into the air and we're just going to call on the living God to do something here today. To set us free. Because I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you are wrestling with things. But the message I believe God wants to say to you today is deliverance is here. To be delivered from your shackles. To be delivered from the demonic. To be delivered from yourself. To be delivered from your pains and your anguishes and your torment and your depression. And the oppression that oppresses you. Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is here to save. 
Jesus is here to set you free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. He doesn't walk in you. He doesn't want you walking in partial freedom. It's for freedom that he set you free. And the devil comes to rob, steal, kill, lie and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and life in abundance. And that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in your mortal body. Not your immortal, but your mortal body, giving you life. Zoe life, overflowing, all encapsulating life force of God himself. He's alive in you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, my love. Fall afresh, we pray, on all these people here. Fall afresh on us all, Lord. Lord, we call out for you. Lord, our deliverer. Lord, our healer. Fall afresh on us, Lord, we pray. Lord, come, Lord, our mighty God, our mighty deliverer. Fall afresh on us, Lord Jesus. Fall afresh on us, Lord Jesus. Come on, everyone. Cry out like desperate people. Cry out to the living God. Cry out that he will heal you. Cry out that he will set you free. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord saying he wants the body to heal the body. I want you to just turn to people that are around you. You don't need to know what their problem is. I just want you to lay hands on them and I want you to speak healing, health, life and blessing over them right now in Jesus' name. Speak the power of God over them right now. Pray for each other right now. In Jesus' name, just lay hands on each other and pray God's blessing and God's health and healing and vitality over each one of you right now. Be the body of Christ to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. for breakthrough Lord Jesus for these two right now Lord God just pray this to feel for you that's what I feel God's saying to pray for you
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't need superstars to pray for the sick. You are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. We're just going to close the meeting now. If you want to carry on praying, please do keep praying. And for those that are ready, you can go and have some food, etc. upstairs. But until next time, God richly bless you and be with you. And he'll never fail you and he'll never forsake you. In the name of Jesus, your great and mighty Saviour. Amen.